Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Stephen Nill, CEO of CharityChannel.com. So, you want your charity to succeed. You came to the right place. Integration of online and offline techniques is the key to your fundraising success and practical advice on going green is what you need. With this show, The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart, you will learn from experts around the world who provide advice you can use. Our host is Ted Hart, one of the foremost nonprofit thought leaders. His books range from successful online fundraising to use of social media and how to make your nonprofit green. His guests are leaders in their field who will share tips and trade secrets for nonprofit management, green strategy, and fundraising success. Ted lectures around the world, but now he's here for you. From the latest in charity news, technology, fundraising, and social networking, Ted and his guests help you maneuver through this economic downturn in the charitable sector to greater levels of efficiency and fundraising success. And now, here's Ted. Hey, good afternoon. This is Ted Hart, and it's Tuesday, March 23rd. I'm coming to you live from Washington, D.C. This is our third show on the Nonprofit Coach, and I'm absolutely thrilled with our Page 2 expert today. Can't wait to get a chance to chat with Scott Stratton. Uh, He's a president of unmarketing.com, and I want to encourage you to get prepared to call in and ask your questions uh, to Scott, and you can call us today at one three four seven three two four three zero eight zero. And of course, if uh, you're a little shy and want to ask a question uh, and uh, can't uh, quite get online yourself, uh, then uh, you can uh, send a direct uh, tweet to me at Ted Hart. Uh, so uh, send me uh, uh, if you're on Twitter, send me a tweet today. Uh, make sure it's a direct tweet so that I can uh, respond directly to you. Uh, but uh, looking forward to, uh, uh, to chatting with uh, uh, Scott today. Uh, but as always, we start with page one. Let's see what we've got. Uh, pretty full page one today. Uh, we're going to start off by uh, drawing your attention uh, to a really nice opportunity from the folks at Causality. Uh, Causality um, has a, a grant uh, that charities can apply for. Uh, they're a group that's committed, uh, as they say, to high-quality brand marketing and creative services for nonprofits, but they're aware of the fact that smaller nonprofits have a tough time with their budgets. Uh, so they're giving you an opportunity to apply. Uh, you can go online at uh, thinkcausality.com and find their link there. The deadline is June 1st for this grant application. But as always, and in all of our page one uh, links today, uh, you can find all of these links online at p2pfundraising.com. 
org. That's the letter P, the number two, the letter P, and fundraising.org. Click on archives, and the most recent issue of our newsletter uh, will have radio links, and all the links from page one are right there just in case you don't get a chance to jot those down. So what else do we have on, on page one here? Hey, uh, you, you heard us last week uh, talking about the Social Innovation uh, Awards. Congratulations to our good friends over at TechSoup. Uh, the voting is done. We encouraged all of our readers to go online uh, and vote. And uh, TechSoup was, I think at that point, I could be correct, uh, at uh, fourth place. And guess what? They jumped ahead. Uh, and uh, we're going to take a little credit for that here on uh, the Nonprofit Coach. Uh, and they received the most votes, and so they are the most strategic philanthropy program in the 2010 Social Innovation Awards. So if you're not familiar with TechSoup, uh, then uh, find them at TechSoup.org. Uh, but the Social Innovation Awards, uh, all of the award winners, and there are other charities uh, in, uh, in the list here uh, under the philanthropy division, so we, uh, we encourage you to check those out, again, under radio links uh, in our newsletter under the archives of p2pfundraising.org. Uh, next uh, up here on uh, the uh, uh, page one, uh, we've got a little bit of uh, uh, some information here for you. Uh, yesterday was World Water Day. It's not too late to help those who are in need of water. Let's give a listen. Two buckets of safe water a day is the minimum a child needs to live. Yet 4,000 children die every day because they don't even have that. In sub-Saharan Africa, 43% of children drink unsafe water and one in five dies before their fifth birthday. Millions more children suffer from waterborne diseases like typhoid and diarrhea. Two and a half billion people don't have access to basic sanitation services and hygiene. And water alone will not reduce the burden of disease. It's having access to sanitary, basic sanitary facilities, being able to practice good hygiene that will obviously reduce not only diarrheal diseases, but other water-related diseases, such as helminth infections, worms, which affect hundreds of millions of children throughout the world. For many, the dangers lie in collecting water, a job often handed out to girls and women. Instead of attending school, a child may have to walk several hours a day to the nearest water source. Children's health improves and school attendance rises when water pumps are installed in schools. Basic sanitation and hygiene education have a dramatic effect on reducing mortality and poverty. UNICEF works around the globe installing latrines and pumps. But 1.1 billion people still use unclean water. UNICEF warns the international community must increase efforts or the poorest families will continue to suffer. Access to just 20 litres of safe water a day for everyone means 1.6 million more children stay alive each year. This is Rachel Bonham Carter reporting for UNICEF. For every child, advance humanity. This is such an important cause, and I want to encourage you, even though yesterday was uh, World Water Day, uh, to uh, check it out online and to support wherever you can. There are a number of organizations around the world that are engaged in helping those who do not have clean uh, running water. You can check out UNICEF at UNICEF. 
www.ghostsandghosts.org, uh, another organization that we're familiar with that you can uh, check out and support. We encourage you to make a donation at charitywater.org. So uh, please help those in need. Imagine if you didn't have clean running water. Um, listen, when we get to page three, we're going to be talking about where I'm lecturing and where you can find me. One of those I did want to make a special note to, and that's the fine folks at Lutheran Services in America. They have their annual conference coming up in Sacramento uh, at uh, uh, April 26th through 28th. I will be there. Uh, good folks, and they uh, wanted me to make a special mention today because registration is open to anyone, uh, and uh, so make sure that you uh, come and check out their conference. We'll talk about that a little bit more on page three. What else do we have uh, on page one here? Wow, this is really inspiring stuff. I don't know if you caught this over on uh, BBC uh, News. Uh, we've got a multimillionaire over in, uh, over in the UK, um, uh, QuickSave uh, uh, founder, has made a billion-dollar charity pledge. Uh, this is really incredible. He's giving this money to a foundation. Uh, half of the money, as I understand it, is dedicated uh, to uh, what he refers to as Catholic causes, uh, and the other are to good causes that will be selected at the discretion of the trustees of his foundation. But this is absolutely uh, amazing uh, to have a pledge uh, in, uh, in the world of this, uh, this amount. This is inspiring stuff. And he attributes it in the article. Uh, he says that he made a pact with God. God, uh, when he was just a young man, and he said that if God would make him a millionaire, he would give half of his money uh, uh, away. So uh, he says he's uh, honoring that pact, uh, and uh, however he got to the billion dollars, uh, I think we're pleased to know that he's that charitable and he's giving to those in need. Uh, what else is here on uh, on uh, page one? Well, um, we go from uh, amazing news of a billion pounds uh, contribution over in uh, the UK to maybe not so uh, some great news for the rest of us here. Uh, we've got uh, an article over on the Chronicle of Philanthropy. You can find them at philanthropy.com. Uh, and, and not surprising, nonprofit groups uh, expect financial woes to continue even as needs of services grows. Uh, it is expected that as an industry uh, that 2010 is going to be tougher uh, than 2009. Uh, only 18% of our colleagues expect to end the year with a surplus. And this goes back to my uh, prediction as the economy turned down. Uh, my evaluation was that we're not going to see a turnaround in the nonprofit sector uh, until 2012. I think that's still true. Uh, 2010 is going to be tough. 2011 is going to be tough. And then hopefully if uh, the economy is rebounding, uh, then we're going to uh, have a chance to see a rebound in the nonprofit sector. At least that's, that's my prediction, and uh, uh, we'll see uh, what our page two expert might think about that today. Uh, next up here on, uh, on page one, uh, we've got a little special clip here for you. Happy birthday to Twitter. Uh, hard to believe. Uh, some people, I think, can't live quite without Twitter, and other folks are 
trying to figure out what's it all about, but it is uh, four years old, exactly four years uh, this past Sunday, uh, since uh, Twitter co-founder Jack Dorsey sent his first tweet. Uh, and uh, they are now announcing that they have 50 million tweets per day. Uh, so if you haven't figured it out yet, we've got one of the tweet kings uh, in the nonprofit sector available to us on page two today. Uh, so make sure that you uh, uh, listen in and also get a chance to ask questions about how do you succeed social media, and certainly tweet, uh, Twitter is one of those aspects. All right, back uh, here on uh, page one, um, the uh, just moments ago, uh, less than 15 minutes ago, President Barack Obama uh, signed the health reform bill uh, here in the United States. Some good news coming out of that for the nonprofit sector. Uh, perhaps you may not be aware of this, uh, but there are special tax credits for small charities that were added to this bill uh, that uh, allow charities uh, with no more than 25 full-time employees and an average wage base of $50,000 uh, to receive special tax credits to help them offer uh, health care to their employees. So there's a little bit of a, a benefit for the nonprofit sector, uh, specifically uh, in uh, this health care package. Uh, next up here on, uh, on page one here on the nonprofit coach, and again, just want to make sure that uh, you're preparing to ask your questions of our page two speaker. Uh, dial in to 347 324 3080. Um, so uh, looking, uh, looking back here on uh, page one, uh, we've got uh, the Philanthropy Journal. PhilanthropyJournal.org uh, is reporting the most trusted trust uh, charities uh, in the United States. And uh, we've got some very strong brands here in the United States. Uh, and this year, uh, those that are at the top of the list are St. Jude's and the Susan G. Komen. Uh, uh, organization, uh, the Susan G. Komen for the Cure, are the two most trusted charitable brands. Uh, and those who are in the, uh, the top ten are also the Mayo Clinic, Cleveland Clinic, Doctors Without Borders, the Smithsonian, Make-A-Wish Foundation, Habitat for Humanity International, and Heifer Project uh, international. Uh, certainly, I'm uh, familiar with and have worked with many of these organizations. Listen, this kind of trust does not just come overnight. This comes with years and years of dedicated service uh, to the, ch the charitable sector uh, and really paying attention to the kind of relationships uh, in our donor base and in our service base that really builds that kind of brand. So uh, bravo to, uh, uh, to all the folks uh, who uh, are in uh, the most trusted brands of uh, the 1,151 brands across 42 different categories that were in this particular study. So read up on that uh, at p2pfundraising.org. Click on Archives. You'll find the latest newsletter, and you can find radio links there. Uh, back over to Chronicle Philanthropy, still here on page one. Uh, if you thought there was a lot of competition in the nonprofit sector, well, there sure is, and it just keeps adding to it. Uh, we've got a study over here on a uh, survey over here on Chronicle of Philanthropy where they're sharing with us the total number of charitable organizations uh, in the United States. Uh, those of you who are familiar, there are many sections to the tax code in what's known as the 501C category. 
several different kinds of charities. The most uh, 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 common is that which is known as a 501c3 religious and or charitable organization. Um, and uh, uh, of all of the categories, uh, there was an increase of nearly 47,000 uh, charitable organizations in 2009 alone. We now have topped in the United States uh, 1.7, almost 1.8 million charitable organizations. So uh, if you if you think uh, you're not quite sure uh, uh, where the competition is coming from, well, there sure is a lot of competition. Well, we're getting ready to uh, bring on our page two uh, uh, speaker here, and I'm excited to get a chance to chat with him. So make sure you call in uh, to ask a question at 347 324 3080. And don't forget, if you're a little bit shy, you can also send me a direct tweet uh, at uh, Ted Hart on Twitter. Uh, and uh, let's just wrap up here on uh, uh, page one here for the nonprofit coach. And I've, we've got a big event coming up around the world uh, this weekend. And let me introduce it here with a little clip. On March 27th, 8.30 p.m., millions around the world will turn off their lights. For one whole hour. All over the world. Earth Hour. It's time for America to lead on clean technologies and clean jobs. Because we care about our planet and our country. Let the world know you want action on climate change. Turn out for Earth Hour. It's simple. Earth Hour, March 27th, 8.30 p.m. Okay, as of this moment, you've got four days, eight hours, 13 minutes, and 24 seconds until Earth Hour. It takes place on March 27th at 8.30 p.m., whatever your local time is. And I want to encourage every listener here of the Nonprofit Coach to do your part to show your support for uh, the environment. One of the things that uh, our listeners and readers of my newsletters are aware of is my interest and my support uh, for, uh, for, the, uh, uh, for the environment. One of the projects that I'm closely involved with is greennonprofits.org. Um, this is uh, an important movement with a new book that we've just uh, uh, published called The Nonprofit Guide to Going Green. A little bit of a, of a preview. We'll be talking about this today on page five, uh, but we do have a special pre-Earth Day show coming up on April 20th. That's going to be uh, at 12 noon. We're going to be dedicating to this notion of nonprofits going green. So I want to encourage you to think ahead and join us uh, for that show. But one small thing that you can do to show your support uh, for the environment is to join people around the world for Earth Hour, and you can find that at earthhour.org or, again, on p2pfundraising.org for the radio uh, links. Uh, and uh, that brings us uh, now to, uh, to the end of page one here, uh, and we're going to, in just a second, bring up our page two expert. <laughs> I've got uh, uh, everything set up here, and as you know, I'm on my third uh, show here, so I'm still learning the, the, the switchboard here. I think we've got Scott Stratton with us. Scott, are you here? Is this person registered? Is that, is that you, Scott? I'm, I'm, I can't do something. Well, we're going to give Scott just a, just a second to, uh, uh, to get in here um, for, uh, for the show. 
Um, let me uh, just one second here, make sure that uh, Scott's got the right number. He does. Uh, 347-324-3080. Um, let's, uh, let's give this uh, another try here and uh, see if uh, this is Scott. Uh, Scott, are you, uh, are you with us? Well, I'll just give one uh, one second here. Uh, hey there, Scott. Are you here with us? I'm I'm on the line. Can you hear me? Ah, uh, there you are. Yeah. That's uh, my my error, Scott. Sorry about that. Just learning. <laughs> uh, we've got Scott Stratton. He's the president of OnMarketing.com. Scott, you've got uh, quite a background uh, that is of uh, deep interest to uh, the listeners here of the nonprofit coach. Uh, one of the things that, uh, of course, draws uh, a lot of people's attention uh, to you is that you have amassed over 40,000 followers on Twitter. Um, so uh, I'm going to ask you right off the, the bat here, uh, so what 40,000 uh, uh, followers? <laughs> what does that mean, and what does that translate to nonprofits who are trying to build a following? Well, I think at the, at the end of the day, the, you, you make your great point there is so what. No, numbers don't mean really anything. They're, they sound great. Um, you know, I can walk around now and say I'm, I'm, I'm over 51,000 followers, but at the end of the day, who, who really cares if, they don't, if it doesn't translate to conversations or relationships or, or nonprofit and donations? And that's the point is you, you really want to sometimes ignore the number within social media and focus on the engagement of that number because you can have a million followers, but if nobody, if you don't talk to anybody and they don't talk with you, it doesn't do much. So it's not enough for a nonprofit. And this is one of the biggest mistakes I see made uh, in the industry is that people and nonprofits with a name, and you're talking about the most trusted, um, just, just earlier, the most trusted names in, in nonprofit and charities, well, they have an advantage where they can go on to Twitter, on to Facebook and get a lot of followers or fans but if they're not engaging with them, if they're not talking back and forth and building kind of a, uh, as what I call social currency with them, then uh, it doesn't mean anything. And really, it's more of I'd rather have a thousand engaged followers than ten thousand that that don't talk. Let's. Uh, I, I lecture a lot on this topic, as, as I know you do as well. Let's focus in on on that that uh, that that concept of social currency. Um, and what does that mean to a charity that's just trying to figure all this out, maybe just got online, uh, that thinks that, gee, I've got a Facebook page uh, and, and, and I'm trying to figure out what to do with Twitter. What's the, what's the bottom line here? Where, the, these things are not fundraisers in and of themselves. What is it that, that they mean to a charity and, and how can they get their heads around this? Well, I think, you know, we, we, since you, know, you and I are familiar with Twitter and, and some other people are, but I, I always have to remember that um, – I have to stop forcing the tool necessarily down people's throat until we talk about the concept. And the whole concept of it, – I, I view social media a lot like um, uh, live networking events. And if you were um, in fundraising, if you're running a charity and you went out and just kind of – you wanted to get the charity more known and get to know people in, in public, you wouldn't walk into a, a chamber of commerce event or a local networking event with your pledge form and your sign up in your hand. You'd get to know people first, and you, so you'd build up your, your relationship with them. So for online, I call it social currency, which is you give your time, your knowledge, and you build relationships before you ever ask for anything. I didn't tweet anything when it came to something I wanted until I tweeted like 10,000 times on Twitter. That's a little excessive, but the point is I gave before I tried to get, and that's really anything in business or, or, or in life, but especially in, uh, when it comes to a charity 
because what happens is people will sometimes see a charity account on Twitter or on Facebook, and they think, although they might believe in the cause, that they're going to be asked to give something right away. And that's kind of that stereotype that you don't want to fall into. You want to be able to talk to your, your, your world. And I think that when it comes to charities and causes, that people are really can, can be dedicated or they want to know more about it. But a lot of times we just hit them upside the head and say, we need some money. And, well, at the end of the day, when the economy the way it is, everybody needs some money. You know, get to know them, you believe in them, and it's different. Exactly. One of the things that, that I share, and I, I was particularly uh, pleased as I was you know, researching your work and, and getting to know your work a, a little bit more, uh, is that part of my message is to stop marketing, stop fundraising, stop having that be the, the, the full extent of the relationship that donors and supporters are looking to be more a part of a community than they are necessarily right. to support a single charity. Because there are so many charities, and as we just reported on, on page one, nearly 1.8 million charities in the United States alone. It's not enough to just be a charity. It's what you stand for. So I know that's a message that you put out there a lot as well. So if they're not marketing, what are they supposed to be doing? Well, I think that you're, you're so many charities, you're obviously cause-based. And you know, one of the things that I like to do, regardless of even if it wasn't a charity or nonprofit or not, is that you start talking more about potentially the issues, versus your needs as a charity. And you become an awareness kind of faucet for people. But it's also, we got, we got to, and it's hard for people to understand, we got to break out of our own needs sometimes and start talking about the bigger picture sometimes, where let's say you read an article about uh, your, your, your charity is going to be about clean water, let's say, uh, you know, um, a very um, important cause and a very popular cause right now in social media is clean water. So a lot of things have happened in social media because of those things. But don't be afraid to spread knowledge around that's not necessarily yours. So if you see a blog post or you see an article, and I heard you doing it at the start of the show, you're you're mentioning other resources other than your own. And that's very important because it shows you that you just don't care about yourself. You care about the cause. And charities are very guilty of, of keeping it kind of insular and saying, this is what we're talking about, this is what we've found. Once you start opening it up and spreading the love around and, and, and tweeting out and sharing on Facebook other things, people then will, are more likely to share your information as well. Exactly, and, that, and that's, that's, I think, the, this concept of being uh, and joining a community of people who care about causes. You're hoping that, that yours is going to be one of those, but part right. of doing that is making yourself relevant in that, that, not, uh, that notion of being part of, uh, a part of a community, and I know that's uh, part of the, the messaging that, uh, that you put out there. To get a little bit more specific um, here, Scott, um, can, can you give our listeners uh, a bit of an insight into your tweet-a-thon? Sure. Well, this is something that um, we did last year, last March, uh, where it was something that um, somebody who lives fairly close to me, Danny Brown, was running a, um, a thing called 12 for 12K, and he had decided to do 12 months, um, $12,000 a month to 12 different uh, charities and using social media. And I, I saw that he was doing it, and it was a great idea. I love the idea because I think social media is, you know, the key is social and, and community. Uh, so I decided in March to um, help out and decided to do a tweet-a-thon. And my goal was to not raise $12,000 over the month. It was actually try to raise the $12,000 in the day. And what I decided to do was find people who would donate prizes, raffle prizes to the event. And in turn, um, when you donated $12, you got an entry ticket into the raffle. 
and the more t- the more every twelve dollar denomination gave you another entry. And we, I just started tweeting, and it was literally a tweet a thon. I was going to tweet all day until we hit that amount, and I had built up to about I think fifteen uh, fifteen thousand or maybe twenty thousand followers by that time. And uh, I wanted to hit the goal. And in five hours, we actually surpassed the goal in five hours, not 12. Um, so it was really exciting. Now, the only problem is people in nonprofits saw that and said, hey, we can do that too. And they just said, hey, we're going to do a tweet-a-thon today, start, start donating. And you didn't see what was behind the scenes, that I built up an incredible amount of social currency with my network. I gave and 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 I gave. And when I said, you know what, I, I'm going to ask for something today. Um, I was able to turn around and cash in on my social currency. You can't just open up on Twitter and say, tweet us on and you know, give us money. There was a lot. Uh, the reason why people donated great, incredible prizes was because I got to know them and I got relationships with them. We, one of the reasons why, it's not all the reasons, but one of the reasons why people donated is because um, they knew I cared about them. And in turn, they turned around and cared about what my cause was. And we donated to, to child hunger. And the problem is you have to gain attention, and I already had their attention. And if you're on there and you're new, you just can't start saying, give us money. Yeah, one of the, the things that, that I remind people in, in, in my uh, my training is you know, I, I start off with this stop sign that says stop fundraising. If you want to learn how to succeed online, you have to stop fundraising because what, what we do is we end up beating up the very people who like us best rather right. than – that the, the way that fundraising is done is what you just mentioned, and that is building and enhancing those relationships, making yourself more real uh, in the communities that, that you're part of, and then as you've done that, inspire them to, to give. But uh, I find client after client, what they're looking for online is they, they make this cardinal mistake in thinking that you know email or, or social media or uh, Twitter accounts or whatever is nothing more than electronic direct mail. And so if I can just get more more emails, if I can just get more uh, you know, followers on Facebook or whatever, that automatically translates into those people are going to give me money. And you miss the fact that a lot of people, especially in social media, they're great at passing things around. And if you ignore them because you don't think they're going to donate, your catalysts, your evangelists for your cause, who may not be able to donate the $100 you're hoping for in this cause, know potentially 10, 20 people who will. And that's what worked for the tweet-a-thon for me, is not only did I tweet nonstop, I had an army of people who may or may not even donated just getting the word out for me, getting the word out for me, because that's the part that they could contribute. And social media allows you not just to be monetarily supportive, but by your voice, supportive too. Exactly. And so that's, that's really uh, the, uh, the, the key. Now, we've got a, a couple of uh, callers, I, I think, uh, that uh, one or two here that, that may want to ha- ask a question. I want to encourage other um, uh, uh, listeners uh, to dial into 347-324-3080 and use the online uh, technology to raise your hand and let me know if you want to ask a question. I want to get a little bit more specific with you, Scott, in terms of some of the things that we've talked about here on the Nonprofit Coach uh, in the uh, p2pfundraising.org newsletter uh, for charity, some of the things that, that, that we, we follow. One of the, the, uh, the topics that are out there right now that I think is particularly interesting uh, is this notion of the merging of email and social media. Uh, we're seeing that in the, the beta versions of the, the next edition of Microsoft Outlook, uh, and I think we're seeing it most uh, dramatically right now with Google Buzz. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and, and 
how real you think that's going to be in terms of uh, things that charities are going to have to be thinking about as they're they're right now keeping them very separate. I think most charities really yeah. do not see a link between what they're doing in email. Unfortunately, they don't even see a, a link between what they're doing from direct mail to email and then now email to social media. Um, can you talk a little bit about what you're seeing in terms of a merger of some of these technologies? Well, I think that you've got th that at the end of the day, a charity makes a huge mistake when they say this is how we want donors to pay versus how do donors want to pay. There's a huge difference in, in, in working with your marketplace and accommodating how they want to pay. Don't make people work to give you money. If that's your end game and you need donations to survive, make the path of least resistance lead to your nonprofit and your charity. For example, online donations, we talk about email versus online, There's, it can all come together. There's a thing called like a chip-in widget that you can use to track donations and it hooks up to a PayPal account. But you don't how many nonprofits don't allow that. And if you don't make it easy for me to donate, myself included, as a person who donates to different organizations, if it's hard for me, I'm not going through the hoops. I'm not going through the steps. And I see technology as a recent example for um, the earthquake in Haiti, where text-based donations were incredible. Uh, you know, I'm sure this is a topic that's been talked about quite a bit uh, in, in the circles, but it made it showing that if you want something passed around online, especially in social media, you have to make it people easy within that arena to donate. And since a lot of people access social media through their phone, the best way was for them to donate through their phone. So that was a, a great way to say, hey, it was such an easy transference of, of cause to donation that if you make me, you know, go back to an email or direct mail when I want to donate, you're making it hard for me to do these things. Make it a short link on Twitter that I can click and donate right away, right to a donation page, and potentially I can use PayPal because that's my online payment system. Or if an email, make it so easy. There's too many steps in nonprofit. And a lot, I saw a nonprofit that said, you have to phone us or fax us a donation for us to send money. And I'm like, are you serious? I don't even know what a fax machine is anymore. Right. But you're making and, me forward. Jump through your hoops. I often ask, you know, uh, uh, clients and those that are, that are in audiences that I lecture to is, uh, you know, do you have the ability for someone to make a contribution online? Uh, and if so, are you satisfied with the amount of money that you're raising online? And most people say, yeah, we do have uh, sort of a donate now button, and no, we're not satisfied. And my next question is, are you asking? Are you providing right. the opportunity? Because um, one of the things that, that, that I often do, depending on how long I have to lecture, is, is something called live website review, where we literally bring up uh, audience websites and we take a look at it. One of the biggest errors that often comes up is exactly what you're pointing out um, uh, right now, is if I click on a Donate Now button on most charity websites, I can't donate right now. It takes no. me to another page that describes ways to give, and then maybe there's another link, <laughs> maybe there's a form. And the, in, in other words, I've lost interest by the time I get three or four links into possibly making yeah. a donation. Every time you click, you lose donors. Remember that. That's a key line right there. Every time somebody, you make people click, you lose donations. End of story. Absolutely, absolutely. I don't want to catch you off uh, off uh, uh, foot here because uh, I didn't get a chance to ask you this uh, ahead of time, so you can tell me to move on if you want. Uh, over on page three today, after after you and I are, are done, one of the things that, that we're going to uh, bring up is an interesting launch over the weekend uh, from one of the co-founders of Facebook, um, and, uh, and that's Chris Hughes launching Jumo. 
And I was wondering, uh, did you get a chance to take a look at that? Because I, since I had you here, I wanted to ask you your 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 thoughts on the future of something like that. Uh, and if you haven't looked at it, then we'll just move on. I I, I just wanted to ask you if you're familiar. Yeah, with I, I hadn't I hadn't caught it yet. I hadn't caught to see what happened. Now now I have to go figure it out because I got to see what they're doing. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, sorry sorry to kind of throw that out at you, but it That's just. Okay. It just came out over the weekend, uh, and it's uh, it's it's sort of just to, to let you know it's uh, and and the only reason why I'm I'm giving it any due at all is because it is from one of the uh, founders of uh, of Facebook and certainly uh, they know uh, uh, social media uh, and Chris Hughes of course left Facebook and went on and created my.barackobama.com, uh, which I think arguably people can say regardless of what your politics are they figured out how to raise money. Uh, and, uh, and and what they're they're uh, doing a soft launch right now is sort of a, a, a do-gooder site, uh, a uh, a Facebook for philanthropic efforts. Uh, and I just thought that was kind of interesting. So I'm not going to ask you to specifically reference that. And there's not much to reference anyway because they're just doing a sort of a soft launch, collecting emails, see what people's interests are. But but it just as a concept. Um, there's so many different ways to use Facebook right now, and, and I don't think any of them are, are perfect, um, uh, from Facebook uh, causes to fan pages and, and, and all that. Uh, what do you think about a separate site that's almost sort of like a Facebook uh, for charity? Is that needed? Is that a future sort of thing? Where, where do you see that kind of activity? I think one of the great advantages of keeping something within Facebook, and that has disadvantages as well, but if you keep something within it, you, you have um, a lot of your marketplace already there. When you have you know, 400 million people, 175 million per day log in every day uh, into Facebook, you've got a lot of people built in an incredible amount of time to, to build new communities when you already have an engaged, active community sitting there for you. Right. So that brings up a, a very important question, one that I often get asked, and I know that, that, that you uh, get asked a lot as well, uh, and that's this, uh, the, this idea of, okay, I'm a charity with limited resources. I don't really understand Facebook, um, but are they going to be around long enough for me to figure it out? Because there was a, there was a day and a time where MySpace thought that they would own the, the, the entire sector. They don't today. They're trying to reinvent themselves now, as I understand, uh, more of an yeah. entertainment sort of site. Um, but if 450 million uh, on, uh, on Facebook, uh, have they gone over the tipping point? Are they the standard? Are they uh, going to be a long, uh, long term, or is, could they get knocked off? Well, I think that's one of the funny things, Ted, about, about social media is people say or keep asking, what's next, what's next, what's next? And they, 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 they really start ignoring what now. Uh, I mean, they're not using now well, and they're still looking what next. And people don't understand with – and I talk MySpace all the time as well, but it really – you know, MySpace still has 80 million people per day logging yeah. into it every single day. It's still there and active. So Facebook, for me, um, there's still growth. There's still growth. It's still exponential. They're still flying out the door. It's still incredible. Um, what, and so for me, and not looking at whether or not it's Facebook or not, it's what to do within it, that you have to understand that Facebook fundamentally changed something last month to what's called um, presumed relevance in updates. And, and that if people don't understand that on Facebook, and that's the hardest thing to get. And what presumed relevancy means is that when you as a charity or nonprofit, when you put an updated status on your cause page or your fan page, the more people that comment on it or click like on it, the more it'll get populated into the mainstream when people log into Facebook. That when you log into Facebook now, you don't see the most recent updates of your groups and people that you fought your friends. You see what's called um, 
uh, relevant, most relevant or updates where it defaults to relevancy now. So your job as a nonprofit is to get people engaged on your page, not to get them to the page, but to engage them because that creates stickiness, meaning people will come back to your page. It's not enough to have 5,000 people for your cause on Facebook because they might join it, but they forget it because it's so busy and it's so popular that people are too busy focused on Farmville than they are in your charity. And so you have to realize that, hey, wait a second, I've got to create engagement back on my page because that will populate the update all over the map. And this comes back to the, the concept of being social, uh, doesn't right. it, in terms of right. think, just thinking in a different way, thinking more socially. Uh, and if you're not going to be prepared to do that, then, then you probably don't want to use these services because – really, uh, it's, 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 Yeah, it's better not to be there to me than, than to be there and be absent and not do it. Like you try to have presence without being present and it'll backfire on you. Right, right, right. Exactly. Well, Scott, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, give a little bit of a ding. Do you mind if I ask you a personal question? That's Hal saying that uh, we think we have uh, a caller here. So I'm going to uh, see if I can, again, uh, Scott, I'm just learning the switchboard here. So let's see if I've got, sure. uh, got this right here. Uh, caller, are you there with us? I don't know if I've uh, pressed the right button here. We may may not, Scott. We're just winding okay. down on the amount of time that we've uh, that we've got for uh, today. So uh, I want to uh, draw uh, your attention um, to some of the things that we had uh, over on page one, just to kind of taking you in a slightly different uh, uh, direction here, and just ask you uh, uh, what are you seeing in the nonprofit sector? We have this uh, story that came out from the Chronicle of Philanthropy uh, that uh, 2010 is going to be a really really tough year. Uh, do you see that? And if you do see that, where does social media fit into turning the tide for charities? Well, I think that when when economy hurts, nonprofits can be hurt the most because there's that potentially discretionary income that I can use to to donate to it. And um, but also, like you said, the need for a lot of cause based and the need for a lot of support based organizations obviously grows higher because because the um, the world is in that desperation. So it's that real big catch twenty two. Um, so I agree um, that it's it's gonna, it's still going to be painful. But what I like about social media is it's not necessarily a hard financial cost all the time. It's not a, you have to increase your direct mailing that will give you a hard cost. So your, your efforts are more time-based and um, emotion-based into social media than necessarily a huge cost. Yes, you have to have somebody who will do it, so you potentially have to pay them you know, their salary that they're doing it. But outside of that, you don't, you're not necessarily paying for you know, $10,000 for a mail-out or, or, or something like that where you can really do it without you know, really hurting a budget as much as uh, some other marketing methods. So I think now is a great time to be out in social media because you don't have that monetary cost go with it. Right. It's it, it, it's cheaper. And, it, and it's part of sort of creating a stickiness, isn't it? I mean, if you've got yes. someone who's engaging you, who's posting on uh, your Facebook page or uploading photos or video or commenting or whatever, they're leaving a little piece of themselves behind, aren't they? And, and doesn't yes. that start building more of that brand for you? It builds up everything. For, it builds up that social currency so then when you are ready to do, make a move in six months from now, that's the people that are going to rally behind you the loudest. Scott, who's getting it right? We saw uh, in page one today, uh, you heard uh, over on Philanthropy Journal, um, they were reporting on the Equitrend poll uh, of the, uh, the charities that uh, are most trusted. Uh, and I'm just wondering if any on that list, uh, uh, St. Jude's uh, ranked first, Komen uh, Race for the Cure was second, Mayo Clinic, Cleveland Clinic, uh, board, uh, Doctors Without Borders, the Smithsonian Make-A-Wish Foundation. 
Habitat for Humanity and Heifer Project uh, International were some of the, the top most uh, trusted brands in the charitable. Any of those getting it right, or, or who do you point to in terms of charities that were early adopters or really doing a good job harnessing the power of, uh, of social media? I think that one of the the group that benefited from the the tweetathon, which is Strength.org, um, who are the, the the cause for um, child hunger in the in the states, um, they do it to me right. Um, they've been very engaging on Twitter uh, and seeing them very active on it. And what I realized, I was talking to somebody about this earlier today, that it's really really dependent based on the person running the account. It's not the co- whether the cause is doing well. It's, it really has to be run by a passionate person. I really don't think social media can work very well for somebody who doesn't get it. And the problem is uh, charities and nonprofits say, well, we need somebody to do it. Give it to this person because they're in marketing or they're in communications. And it doesn't necessarily make for the best person to represent you in a social stream. So I found that it's so dependent on the person. They believe in it and they believe in the cause, but they also really truly, and this is the most important part, believe in engagement and relationships that smaller potential charity can have an even better impact than some of the bigger ones. I start seeing it it's shifting a bit, but I think the biggest charities, and sadly some of the most trusted ones, are doing social media wrong. I won't call anybody out and say who they are, but they're more dictating in social media. They're saying, hey, we're here, you know us, you trust us, here's more stuff about us, when they could actually take it to a whole other level right. and start talking to people and engaging versus dictation. Well, and, and we are we are running short on on time here, but you've just brought up a very important concept, one that that I talk a lot about in uh, in my lectures, and that is that that brands are at risk in the nonprofit sector. That where you're sitting on a big lead right now, that that could be lost by not understanding that philanthropy is becoming much more individual now. Right. Uh, and Social media is a way that, that a lot of younger people, but not just solely younger people, we're seeing dramatic shifts in, in older folks on, uh, on Facebook. Can you talk just here at the end, and then I want to give you an opportunity to make a, a closing statement here before we go on to page three, um, th- this whole notion of what's at risk, uh, even with strong brands, to get this wrong? You, you really, it's amazing to realize, Ted, that right now, It's a nonprofit. Yes, I'm here. I just I lost you for a second. So go ahead. Okay, sorry. So the, we're actually it's really nice to realize that we're in the middle of a shift right now, that we're shifting from exactly that from community and individual voices that now are immediate and relevant. That your donors are immediate and relevant, and they individually can control and power an entire fundraising event without you. That is huge. The difference there. And when you have something like the tweeting uh, or the sort of texting donations that you're making that younger demographic, the hardest one to get to donate are the ones who are driving the donations for that. We have to recognize a shift and we either shift with it or our donations will shift elsewhere. Yeah, I, th- I think that that's so true, uh, and uh, so many charities are not recognizing the fact that this is not just sort of a, uh, a uh, an interesting sort of thing that can be ignored. However, I'm also telling charities right now that, you know, that that train has not yet left the station. There's still time to put together a strategy, and I think that uh, what I'm telling folks is that uh, within about four years' time, having a strong social media strategy is going to be just as important to every single charity as a website is today. I agree, very much so. 
So, um, Scott, unfortunately, we're going to uh, have to let you go in just a second. So any closing uh, uh, words of wisdom for charities in terms of all of your experience in Twitter and social media, uh, where do they go from here? I, I really believe it. If you believe that, that your, your foundation, your donors can be built by relationships, you need to make building them your business. That's the end of the story, and I think social media is a great tool to do that. Scott, you were a great guest today. I cannot thank you uh, enough for joining us. I'm going to let you go, and we're going to go on to page three. Thanks, Well, page three uh, coming up here, and that's uh, uh, always uh, referred to as uh, uh, where can you find Ted. Uh, tomorrow I'm going to be uh, in Pittsburgh at the E-Merging Conference. Uh, great to have the opportunity to uh, be with the folks there. Uh, and then on Thursday I'm going to be in Frederick, Maryland, uh, speaking at the Osherman Foundation Fundraising Conference uh, in Frederick. Uh, a couple things coming up, as, uh, as I mentioned in April, we've got the uh, Lutheran Services Conference in Sacramento. But, hey, big push for uh, the AFP uh, International Conference, which uh, is going to be in Baltimore, uh, Maryland, and I'm so pleased. I think, again, if I've got, if I've got this uh, uh, working right here, I'm so pleased to have one of the organizers, one of the members of the host committee uh, from, uh, from Maryland, who is actually heading up and putting together a really fun event. Uh, Julie Cox, I think, is here with us. Uh, she's going to be uh, putting together a, an event called Splash on April 12th, and uh, they gave me an opportunity to uh, be a sponsor, and I'm pleased uh, to have TedHart.com uh, be one of the, uh, the sponsors of that group. Julie, are you with us? I am, and you just said everything I was going to. Oh, no, no, not at all. <laughs> give you an opportunity to tell everybody about this wonderful sure. event, where it is, and how they can get tickets. Sure, sure. Well, as uh, many know, the Association of Fundraising Professionals International Conference is in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, from April 11th to the 14th, and the Splash uh, reception is hosted by the Maryland chapter. It's at the National Aquarium in Baltimore, and we anticipate um, probably just around 700 attendees. The entire aquarium will be shut down for the evening, and everyone will have access to um, seeing all the wonderful exhibitions. Um, they have about uh, 17,000 different animals throughout the aquarium. And uh, the event will start at 7 o'clock and go um, through 10 o'clock in the evening. And there will be lots of food and drink. Um, they'll also be able to see a 4-D movie. And um, the event itself is sponsored by Ketchum. Uh, but Ted Hart, of course, Hart Philanthropic Services Group, is a sponsor along with the Baltimore Community Foundation and Convio. So if you want to register, you can go online to the AFP uh, International site, which is afpnet.org, or you can register, register separately for this event. It's $55. You don't have to attend the conference to register. And you can go to the Maryland chapter site, which is afpmaryland.org. And, and Julie, we have a special link on p2pfundraising.org. Click oh, on perfect. 
In the newsletter, we have our radio links, and there's a direct link to buy tickets uh, for Splash. That's a terrific location. I have to tell you, I'm very pleased to be uh, involved with this. And, and wow, 700 people, that's got to be some kind of record uh, for an event like this. I think it probably is. It's a wonderful thing to see when you're in Baltimore. It really is, and I want to encourage everybody to come up to the conference. It's going to be a fantastic conference, uh, and one of the things that we're going to do a special thing at the Splash uh, event over at the uh, the National Aquarium in Baltimore uh, is we're going to give everybody an opportunity to uh, uh, win uh, autographed copies of every single one of my books, each of the nice. six. We're going to uh, give them an opportunity to do that. Julie, thank you for you joining so us welcome. today on The Nonprofit Coach, and uh, keep up the good work. Yeah, thank you. Great program. On to page four here, uh, just as we always do on uh, page four, is uh, wrap up on what you're finding over uh, on the P2Pfundraising.org uh, newsletter. And, of course, uh, we're promoting Scott Stratton, who just did a fantastic uh, job today. Uh, don't forget, we're going to be up in Toronto at the Digital Leap Conference on April 23rd, and that's going to be at a, another really wonderful location, Royal Conservatory, uh, up there in uh, in. Toronto. Uh, we've got uh, uh, an opportunity here. You heard uh, last week that the Artes Interaction Conference is going to be in Washington, D.C. Uh, if you go to the p2pfundraising.org newsletter, uh, click on archives, you're going to see an opportunity to win some complimentary tickets, which I was very pleased. Uh, they're offering uh, five tickets uh, to listeners of the Nonprofit Coach and readers of p2pfundraising.org. And there's lots of ways to win. We're going to draw randomly uh, from those who uh, join us on LinkedIn or our, on our online discussion group, uh, join us on, uh, on Twitter. Uh, so lots of different ways to do that. And I have to tell you, a newsletter just went out yesterday, and we've been flooded uh, with people who uh, have already registered in one of those ways. Uh, we're going to draw the, uh, the winners on Thursday and be announcing uh, that in our next uh, newsletter. We also have uh, an update on applying for Google Grants, uh, and we're providing you with the high-level program guidelines uh, in, uh, in the, uh, the newsletter, uh, so don't miss that. I didn't mean to uh, blindside uh, our, our uh, page two speaker today on Jumo. It's very brand new. Uh, he's going to take a look at that, and I'm sure we're going to hear more about his review there. But Facebook co-founder uh, is launching a nonprofit platform uh, called Jumo.org. We've got all the links there from uh, today's radio show, and I uh, just want to draw your attention to uh, the fact that we've got over 660 people in the LinkedIn group. So go ahead and click there. And remember, if you join that group, you're going to automatically be entered into uh, the drawing for those free tickets uh, for, uh, for the uh, 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 Artes Interaction Conference uh, in Washington, uh, D.C. Uh, but uh, keep in mind that uh, uh, if, uh, if you win, uh, then you're going to need to uh, get yourself to uh, Washington, D.C. For, uh, for this conference, which is uh, on March 30th. So that's, uh, that's what we have uh, on, uh, uh, over there on uh, page four today. My 
my goodness. It is so hard to believe that uh, our hour is almost up. I wanted to, uh, over here on page five, as we always do, give you uh, an opportunity to hear what's coming up in future shows. Uh, you may uh, be aware of the fact that we're off next week. I'm going to be uh, in Washington, D.C., meeting uh, with, uh, with uh, folks in uh, Washington, D.C. on Monday. Uh, and then on Tuesday, which is the Artez Interaction Conference, I'm going to be speaking uh, there in Washington, D.C. at the museum. Uh, so come out and uh, see us there. So no nonprofit coach show next week. However, uh, we're going to be back with a fantastic show on, uh, on April 5th. I want to make sure that uh, you don't miss uh, the opportunity to hear from and ask questions of Stephen C. Nill. Steve Nill uh, is a good friend of mine, and he is the founder of the world's oldest and largest online network uh, for nonprofit sector professionals, and that is known as CharityChannel.com. And I'm going to give you a little bit of a heads up. Steve's got a special announcement that he's going to, he told me today, he's going to make an announcement that he's made no place else uh, on uh, April 5th on uh, the Nonprofit Coach. He's going to be uh, launching a, a brand new project that's very, very exciting. Uh, and uh, so don't miss the opportunity to hear from Steve Nill on April 5th. And then uh, planning down the road, we've got a, a, a big speaker uh, for uh, the April 12th show. And then I'm, I'm just looking down the road, and I really want to draw your attention, tell all your friends, grab the kids, bring them together. Don't want to miss the opportunity for our special pre-Earth uh, Day show, uh, and that's going to be on April 20th uh, at, at 12 noon. Uh, with that show, we're going to have uh, uh, Danielle Brigida, uh, who is a social media outreach coordinator uh, for the National Wildlife Fe Federation. Uh, so this is going to be an opportunity for us to not only talk about uh, my new book, Nonprofit Guide to Going Green, not only talk about green nonprofits and the important work of the National uh, Wildlife uh, Federation, but also uh, Danielle has that unique position of being involved with the environment, caring about the environment, but also being their social media outreach coordinator. So we're going to be able to talk about sort of both sides of the street. Um, so uh, with that, uh, we're going to uh, uh, do a review of uh, what we covered uh, up there on page one. Uh, just to remind everybody of the grants that are available, the brand grants from Causality. Uh, you can find that at thinkcausality.com. Uh, we also thanked uh, TechSoup uh, for, uh, or, or congratulated them rather, uh, for uh, being named the most strategic philanthropy program in the Social Innovation Awards of 2010. Urged everybody that even though World Water Day uh, has passed, it was on March 22nd, uh, the need for uh, 2.5 billion people on this planet who do not have uh, clean running water available to them, that uh, it's not too late, never too late, to make a contribution and to, uh, to support others. Uh, we uh, congratulated the folks over in the U.K. Uh, and uh, thanked uh, for inspiration. Uh, I'm not sure I gave uh, his name, uh, but it's Albert Goubet. 82-year-old uh, uh, gentleman uh, gave a one billion pound charity pledge uh, to a foundation, uh, and uh, that's really, really inspiring stuff. We uh, said happy birthday to uh, to Twitter. Uh, for those of us who have been involved with Twitter, it does really only feel like yesterday, uh, but they've celebrated their uh, fourth birthday. Congratulations to the charities. Uh, who have been named uh, this year the most trusted charities uh, because those kind of accolades do not uh, go without a lot of work being done behind those, a lot of staff, uh, donors, and supporters. But I do think it's, it's worth noting that uh, Scott Stratton today 
uh, agreed with me that uh, brands like that are at risk that do not engage with their audiences in methods and using uh, techniques such as social media. Uh, one of the things that I often share is fish where the fish are. Uh, and for, uh, 450 million people uh, on, uh, on Facebook is a, a heck of a big pool and one that uh, where it's absolutely certain that uh, someone is talking about you, whether you know it or not, are you relevant in that community. Uh, and uh, huge growth in the nonprofit sector. We now are at 1.772 million uh, charitable organizations. So uh, with that, I want to thank everybody for the opportunity to be with you today.